We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me today, live from Las Vegas, Sean Cunningham from Fox 40. What's going on, Sean? Hi, James. Feels like we haven't done this in a while. Um, Been kind of busy, but uh, excited to talk to you and Brendan. All the things happening in Vegas. And uh, I think Brendan, I think he's getting a different side of, of me. In, in in this environment so i think that's a good thing um but it's bringing us closer together oh we have male bonding going on uh of course <laughs> joining us as well brendan nunes from the king's pulse podcast brendan how are you have is your liver okay that's always my question when yeah. hanging out with sean for multiple days yeah it's been fine i actually got one of those like large sweet drinks yesterday i don't exactly know what to call them oh, no a yard of um, a yard of whatever yeah that's a yeah and idea. sean talked me into getting one size larger than i originally planned yeah and uh it wasn't actually the alcohol content it was all the sugar that i yeah. actually felt my head and Heart just kept coma. saying i yeah i did not feel drunk enough to not be feeling good but i'm doing fine can i point out one thing though um brendan went to the uh i guess that's the frozen margarita daiquiri whatever it is very masculine drink and uh he went up to the to the guy and said he's like oh yeah you get to choose your own flavor right so he's like oh cool give me the last four like as if he's some child doing a suicide drink at a at a at a soda machine just just little this little that little this one and i'm i looked at him i was like dude what's wrong with you who am i with (laughs) yeah i got i i was like sure i'll try one how about strawberry and pina colada He's just like, yeah, can we add blue, red, pink, 
I mean, you had like five flavors in there. It was amazing. Yeah. No, no wonder you I got think a headache. When I was in Mexico, they called that strawberry a daiquiri and pina colada makes a Miami Vice. So I don't know. That's what they call it. That's what the kids call it nowadays, I guess. Um, awesome. I guess. Well, I'm glad you guys are okay and you've survived. Um, so I think just... I think Brendan's I think Brendan's new term for me was legend, wasn't it? Something like legend. Whoa, <laughs> Sean! Nobody <laughs> called you a legend. Let's call it. I I can't remember which one it was, but <laughs> it uh, definitely was not me. I, it might have been our Uber I, driver. I, oh, <laughs> you can talk about that. Uh, I am definitely uh, setting the bar for you to follow, though, right? Sure. Yeah, okay. that's, that's a fine way to put it. Yeah. Uh, legend. In order to reach uh, to reach legendary status, you have to um, climb the rock wall like Jason Jones did with us a few years back, which was a spectacular story. He didn't get very far, but like uh, I don't think okay. he actually got off the ground. <laughs> it was, the shoes came off though. The struggle was real. <laughs> uh, nice Jason Jones. On. Jason Jones came in like a wrecking ball. He was just kind of swinging there on the wall. Um, all right, so let's get to the business side. Uh, if you're watching here on YouTube and you don't mind, give us a thumbs up. Uh, our last YouTube show went over 500 thumbs ups, so that's cool. Um, if you're sub you need to subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, if you don't mind, uh, that would be great. We did break 3,000 subscribers now. It's the march to five thousand, uh, so it's you know it's one of those things we gotta keep promoting. Um, also, jump on board with the King's Beat. Go to thekingsbeat.com, become a premium subscriber. Especially right now with uh, the chaos that is social media, I don't know what in the world is going to happen here in the end. Um, and it, it's just wild and and you know ridiculously stupid. Uh, but if you go to the King's Beat, you sign up for the King's Beat. At least you'll get all of our content just sent right to your inbox and you won't have to go on one of these platforms that's lost his mind and uh, try to find our stuff. Uh, so that was that's another reason why you should jump on board with the Kings beat. Um, Sacramento Kings have gone to Las Vegas. They've gone one and one in the first two games. It has been hideous basketball. I got to be honest. It has not been good at all. The offense has really struggled. The defense has been strong, but the offense has been all over the place in the first two games. And uh, like before we jump in fully to all of that, uh, number one, do you guys have an update on Nimi? Uh, just foot soreness. Um, there's no shoot around on the second days of uh, back-to-backs. So um, uh, told, I had heard that he he's wanting to play. Um, we'll see how that kind of transpires. I wouldn't expect him to play today, especially with the back-to-back, -back, give him an extra day. Uh, yeah. And then maybe see what happens with the uh, with the with the other game with against uh, Minnesota, I believe it is on uh, is that Wednesday or no? That's uh, Thursday. Thursday, yeah. So, yeah, man, we'll see. Okay, Brandon, you haven't heard anything? No, nothing outside of what Sean just sort of laid out. Um, I, I thought it was pretty notable. I mean, he never came back out after he what whatever the exact moment was i tried to go back and watch the film and it's really hard to determine exactly where it happened um but no nothing outside of what sean said and i'd imagine that you know anybody that has a small thing you don't risk it but nimi's situation is weird with his contract yeah it's it's definitely strange okay so but now i'm going to get to the other side because while you guys were there in person watching it unfold uh first of all isaiah thomas was um isaiah thomas uh, on the on the broadcast 
he, was, he was all over the board. Um, he didn't know Kata's name at one point, even though they had already mentioned him like six times before that. Uh, he he tried to call him Quota uh, at one <laughs> point. Um, that was a mess. And then one of the plays in, near the uh, the middle of the second quarter, Mimi went down, and I think he blocked a shot. He got called for a foul, but it looked like a clean block um, on, a, on a breakaway. And it was at that part point that his partner on the broadcast, which I don't know who his partner is, I don't know who she was, um, said that Namias had just signed a two-way contract for that year after being on a two-way the previous two years with the Sacramento Kings. I have not been able to get that confirmed, but that was something that was spoken on the broadcast. Uh, and I I don't want to talk about the back and forth on that, but um, as well, to whether had, that's accurate also, or not. Yeah, they also had Monty McNair on the broadcast, did they not? They did have Monty McNair on the broadcast. They did not bring him up from what I could tell. Yeah. Interesting. Um, they did ask it like Isaiah Thomas did ask about how his owner was. Um, yeah, it was it was a wide ranging, strange uh, interview. Just pointing uh, out for people who don't know, it's summer league for everybody. Um, these are people who aren't usually doing broadcasts, as you probably could guess. So um, they, that's what a lot of these people do. They bring in a lot of people that don't have that type of experience and aspire to to do that, and probably have made significant movement towards getting to that next step. So. You do it with officials, you do it with executives, broadcasters. Um, so, yeah, this is just summer league for everybody. With officials. Right, the officials, yeah. Officials. Yeah, the officials were a little odd. Uh, I mean, you know, like you did have a lot of new people. You know, they're trying to it, – it's good, though, because the the league needs a new group of officials coming up. They need to, you know, continue to get younger and continue to, to grow and to get past, like, what I think was an era where – like I, there was specific star treatment and stuff like that. And maybe we can get that out of like bring new people in and get pushed some of that out. Yes, Brennan. There was a moment last game where they just announced that the Kings lost one point and did not explain why. And Alvin Gentry was very confused. <laughs> well, and it had just happened. They, they, they had, <clears throat> there was a replay where they uh, took, points away from Colby Jones or uh, yeah, Colby Jones who had stepped out of bounds at one point uh, during his shot and they had credited. And then like five minutes later, they're like announcing uh, another and they're taking more points away from the Kings. And he's just looking around, looking at, he looks right at Steve Ballmer, you know, Gentry's on court side and Ballmer's on the baseline. He looks over at Ballmer and Jerry West in that area of, the, of this Clipper, you know, regime. And he's just like, you're just going to take points away from us now. <laughs> as if it was their fault uh it there was a bunch of strange things that were going on like even the the colby jones thing he hit a three right and then that got pulled off the board later yeah yeah because he yeah. was at 20 and all of a sudden he wasn't at 20 and at the california classic i'll say this too there was a point where i tweeted out that nabias Keda had just got a double double he had 10 points and 11 rebounds he finished that game with nine points and nine rebounds and i i don't know how that happened because I was watching, I watched him hit the free throw that put him at 10 points. There was no question. And then all of a sudden, he didn't have 10 points anymore. And I'm like, what in the world just happened? At Golden so, One Center, that actually did happen a few times during the season where rebounds were mysteriously taken away at some at some point. Maybe they were credited earlier and somebody went back and looked and that's not a rebounder. I don't know. But yeah, 
Rebounds happen that way. Points don't typically happen that way. Points don't happen that way. Once yeah. someone gets to double figures, they're in double figures. They don't go backwards. Um, yeah. So you guys, uh, you guys talked to Nimi. You, uh, Brennan, you had Nimi on a pod. But like, where's his head at? Because it sort of seemed like he's kind of like, it is what it is. I'm just kind of in a holding pattern. Yeah. I mean, Nimi said, you know, of course you want to be comfortable, but that he's just trying to not really think about it to go out there and he views this as a good opportunity to show what he can do at this level. Um, so that, that was kind of most of what he said. And when he was asked specifically about how he thinks a two-way could benefit him, I, I thought he had a good answer of, you know, it's, it's sort of all about perspective, but I, I got the impression that like he thinks he's ready. Yeah. Did, and did you I, get that same feel, Sean? Well, and it's interesting because when we were talking about the foot thing, um, like it's a little confusing to me as to why he's, uh, why he's here. Um, he's had, uh, I, I think he's played the role um, nicely. I think he's progressed nicely. And I don't think there's really anything that anybody will see in summer league that will make you change your mind on Namias Keda. I think, you know, where he's at in his development, certainly there's more room to grow. I just don't think that playing in summer league helps his development. Um, or cause it's not like they're having him do anything any different than what they have in Stockton already. Um, and I think for him, it's if look, his first year was kind of a wasted season as we've kind of chronicled here on this podcast, uh, over the, last year or so and this past year was exactly what you wanted to see uh from him in that next state uh especially with what he was able to do at the g league level and i think he passed that with flying colors you, you know there's certainly more room to grow but i feel like he did enough he has enough accolades it it is it, they won uh during the season obviously the playoff was a little wonky but um he he did what, what i feel was the next step in his progression now I think to see that come full circle and see that go to the next level, what's the evolution there? Well, it's to see him play an NBA game. And unfortunately, really the Kings don't have that. And maybe they do. Um, but maybe they're, in my opinion, I don't look at him as saying he's ready for rotational NBA minutes, at least with the Sacramento Kings. Now, how do you see that then? Could it be a, a younger team that doesn't quite have uh, the aspirations that, that the Kings do? Maybe, but I would like to see him at the NBA level and get some rotational minutes, um, whether it be on a good team or a bad team. Um, obviously, the Kings are would like to keep him on the team uh, in some form or fashion, or at least keep the, the you know have control over him in in, in a way because they think that he can help. Uh, and there's still some maybe some sorting some of some opinions out, but uh, I, I don't think that they're done with him. They want to see more development. I just don't see how summer league assist that development if that makes sense like i don't see that anything coming from las vegas or the california classic that makes you really come to a conclusion on what namias kate is all about yeah and i'll say too like the the issue that i have is that they really when they've used him correctly at this in the summer league he's looked dominant when they don't use him correctly you have to watch very closely i think he's run the floor extremely well he's hustled he's had chase down blocks uh, I think he's been exceptional in the pick and roll. I'm watching him on the defensive end be able to play both players on the pick and roll. His screens are incredible still. Like he he would be there, like his screen assist numbers are 
off the charts, the way he opens up space. And I'll also tell you this, like he's clearing space in the key for his teammates to get a bunch of rebounds. So I know a lot of people are like, I need to see him go out there and grab like 18 boards in a game. No, it's about winning the rebound battle overall. And he's doing enough to open space where Colby Jones, you know, had five rebounds in the first like three minutes of the game because Namias had taken all of the other players out of the key. So I think that there's a lot of things that he's doing right. But I also understand what you're saying, Sean, like they're kind of in limbo. Is he a four a player? Can he be a rotational player? Can he find his way to the, the main roster? They only have 13 roster spaces taken up right now. So they still have two spots, but it kind of feels like they've wanted him to take the two way. And I'm not sure what exactly that the plan is here with him. Um, we've pushed a little bit here and there, even like trying to get an answer as to whether he had been signed to a two-way contract or not. And also like explain to people who don't understand right now, he has a cap hold as if it's a regular cap hold with a regular roster, but he has signed his qualifying offers for a two-way contract. So if he accepts a qualifying offer, he gets a two-way contract. It's 550,000 bucks right around there. And he would, you know, step right back into the role where he can play up to 50 games with the main team, but uh, he'd bounce back and forth between the G league and, and the main roster. Um, I just don't know what the Kings have in sto store for him, especially after signing Alex Len back. Uh, so I, in my opinion, I would like to see Namias be the backup to the backup, you know, be the big man backup behind Trey Lyles. So when Sabonis gets in trouble, but you're playing against a Steven Adams or you're playing against a Jokic or an Embiid, you can throw a big body out there at least early in the season. And if he can grow into the role, that's one thing. If he can't, then you use Alex Len like you did last year later in the season. I just don't know that the Kings are going to do that. And so I I'm confused as you guys are uh, as far as like nobody really has an answer as to what he's going to be on this roster or if he's going to be on the roster or if he's going to be a two-way again. I just think it's kind of like it's all up in the air still and kind of interesting. Um, I do think there's a, you know, it. I see how people could say there's a overlap between what Len and Nimi provides and Nimi knows I, I asked him what do you think you provide most of the NBA level and he's like you know obviously it's the size and intangibles but also there's a difference offensively in the way that Nimi runs that DHO game more than Len does and Nimi said throughout this offseason back home that he really worked on his ball handling whether that be in the DHO game or in post-ups or sometimes bringing the ball up the floor after a board um, so I do think there is a difference in those guys offensively, even if, you know, they can, they can have their similarities in just being one of those ginormous fives out there that is a rim protector. Yeah. And the rim protecting has been great. I think the defense has been great overall from him. Again, the chase down block yesterday was, was crazy before he got injured. Um, so we'll have more on that as we get more information. If there's a point where we, fully understand what's going to happen. Um, we'll send it out. Uh, I was expecting maybe to see something in the last couple of days, whether it's a press release or, or whatever, but you know, for that matter, I, we still haven't seen Sasha Zenkov's uh, press release. So officially he hasn't, uh, well, I think he's, I think he signed, but I'm not sure. He, he has not signed yet. Okay. Uh, it is not, it is not a, uh, there, there's a lot of, hurdles that have to be kind of cleared from my understanding. And um, he is let, he has left Las Vegas. So, um, but there, you know, everything is still right. You know, it's just, there's, 
it's a delay. There's a delay in getting some of these things accomplished. And um, this is something that, you know, you might be seeing in a press conference sometime next month. Okay. Yeah. And it seems like maybe we'll, we'll get some of these other guys. I mean, uh, we did see the numbers. They, they finally came out. I, I think we have the numbers for Demonis Sabonis. They're very similar to what we talked about initially. Um, but uh, he got a, I think it's an $8.6 million raise onto his contract, puts him at like 30.6 for this season, and then really close to 8% raises. I think it's interesting. The Kings negotiated in was the exact same thing that was negotiated into his original contract, which are uh, obtainable, um, highly obtainable, like uh, bonus money. So it's 2.6 million every year of the three, the four year extension where if he makes an all-star team, he gets $1.3 million bonus. If he makes an all NBA team, he gets a $1.3 million bonus. So it's up to 2.6 million every year. That's really cool because that's a team saying, okay, we want you to keep betting on yourself and a player saying, I'm okay with that. Um, so, I don't know. It'll probably work out very similar to the way it did this last year. Although the all NBA thing is going to be difficult to, you know, make every single season. Uh, but still, I think like he's putting some onus on himself to go out there and accomplish these things. Um, and that's a good thing to, to leave goals and to leave monetary uh, goals out there for yourself and, you know, things that are obtainable that you've obtained in the past, but to continue on the same trajectory that you were before. Um, was there anything else with the the contract stuff that you guys had questions on? Because we've had like there's a Trey Lyles under contract now. Alex Land is officially signed. Um, PJ Dozier was let go, so the uh, I, the third point guard position is open. Go ahead, Brennan. I think for Harrison Barnes, for me, like I, I'm curious if it's even every year, if it's front loaded, if it's back loaded. Um, no clarity at this point, but that's something I'm curious about. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up, Brennan, because I, I think the way that, like, if you go look at most of the websites now, like the uh, track, Sport Track, whatever, however you want to say it, but they uh, they have him at 17, 18, and 19 million. And they don't give their sources themselves. So I don't know if they got that from somebody uh, that his contract for this year, but I'm going to, I'm going to want to make sure that that's 100% accurate because like the way that it looked last week was that the Kings still had up until the point that they signed Trey Lyles, they roughly had $5 million in cap space and they could have even got a little bit higher than that. Like, so they were around 5 million. And then once they signed Trey Lyles, his cap hold of 3.4 million goes to like roughly an $8 million salary. And all of that money goes away. So once a player is signed that, that you're using bird rights for, it's still, it eats the cap space that you have. Um, up until the moment that you sign him, you can still use that cap space. So I'm wondering, like, again, we hear right now that like Sabonis's money was about a million, 900,000 more. So that would drop you down to like 4 million. And then I'm wondering if there wasn't another player like, uh, you know, again, like a Trey or uh, like a Harrison Barnes that the Kings did front load and just eat up the rest of that cap space for this season. So then they can use, they'll have more as we go on. Um, so I, I want to see the numbers first before we fully get into it. Um, and like all the numbers. So it, it can be slightly complicated. Um, there's also, uh, 
well, let, let's hit, let's just hit the the other situation there what we were talking about. Um, PJ Dozier, are you guys at all surprised that PJ wasn't brought back? No, I'm not surprised. Brennan, uh, I don't know. I, I like PJ. Um, I don't know this, but I thought that there maybe was something between himself and Jordy having spent time together previously in Denver. Um, I don't know. Not super surprised. I didn't. I wouldn't have been shocked either way. I really think is what it comes down to. But now you have another hole there. Okay, so Kings have two roster spots. Do you guys have any feeling on what you would do if you were in that situation? Well, I mean, for me, it, it's I think I would echo what a lot of fans have been wondering. It's like, where's your where's your rim protector? Where's your rebounding? Um, and uh, but you look at the the crop of players out there, and I don't really think in my opinion, that it really truly exists. Um, and, and and obviously fit is going to be the, the biggest thing, but I would imagine one of those players will be a big, and maybe that's part of the calculus and trying to determine what you're going to do uh, with Nemeas Keda. Um, but, I, but I will say, like, you were asking about salary cap a second ago, James, and I, I it's so interesting to see what is happening um, with the NBA. I used to think the NBA's best strength uh, from their players association, the way everything's collectively bargained is the guaranteed contracts. Um, and now you're starting to see contracts that are very much like the NFL. Uh, not a lot of, not a lot of guarantees. And so um, yeah, PJ was kind of a, a casualty of that. Um, it wasn't surprising. It was, and even, even because it was such a small amount of money, I think that um you know, allow him to try and go and, and, and get a payday. And hey, if 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 the market isn't right and you haven't found what you're looking for, there's no reason why, uh, you know, he won't be around in, in, a, in a training camp invite. Possibility of maybe you don't think he's a, a, a piece on your rotation and, and who knows, maybe something else shakes out. But uh, I think they probably have their eyes on some other uh, possibilities at the moment. And just kind of clearing up that money as the money is kind of, as you mentioned, James kind of dwindled down some uh, to almost nothing like, uh, you know, can't be afraid of going over the cap because all good teams do. And uh, yeah, I, I, you know, there's, there's, you know, for anyone, we mentioned Sasha Vezinkoff a minute ago. Yeah. It's not a done deal yet. It's, it's a, it, it will get done. It will get done. He's, he's, he's got a Jersey ready for him. Uh, he's going to be wearing number seven. So, um, there's, but once that you have to have things happen first, you have to have to get it, get official first. So maybe some of that is being held up as well. Um, uh, but yeah, two roster spots, summer league's not over. I mean, there's guys out there that are, uh, have been impressive and, uh, others that haven't. And, um, there's gonna be a lot of, a lot of movement and people getting, you know, training camp invites and overseas invites and people have to, kind of shore up their teams a little bit. So a lot of competition still left to be had. And I think maybe you kind of have to get through summer league and see how uh, some of these contracts get thrown out to some of these players. Okay. I think yeah. just to lay out like hypothetical scenarios that I think would be intriguing to me, like say TJ Warren was one of your minimums to give you a little bit more wing depth. You bring the Mia on a guaranteed contract and then you give Jordan Ford the two way and that's your your point guard depth there for the third string you know i think that could be something interesting or or maybe you go with somebody like um uh howell netto and 
somebody like a there there's still I believe Bismack Biombo or Willie Hernan Gomez and, and then you look towards Namias Keda getting that um, last two way if he's willing to accept it so I, I think there's different ways to go um, I, I do have a lot of interest in Jordan Ford being that last two way though I will say yeah it's something that I've talked about for a little while that like why not why not use the the two way in order to fill the backup the third string point guard position because if you need them, you just pull them up and then you've got them up there. And, you know, even still, we all know that Malik Monk is going to be the backup point guard for the most part. And especially with Chris Duarte, Chris Duarte gives you the opportunity to put a, a player next to, if you've got to start Davion, you can put Monk at the starting point guard position, Duarte alongside him off the bench and you can keep going. Right. So I think the depth is good there. And you even have, you know, uh, Colby Jones or Keon Ellis that you can maybe feed a little bit of minutes if you had an emergency type situation. Um, but like I've I've been on kind of whether it's Jordan Ford or it's someone else like him that's young enough to take a two way and it can uh, can be part of that system. Um, that that seems to make a lot of sense to me. Um, and then we have uh, so it I, I like what you're saying, though, Brennan, because what you're saying is that like that those last three spots they they might one spot spot might determine what you do with another spot and so it's possible that Namias Keda does get a two-way and then he's got to be that other spot and then you have two roster spots that you can work with and then like the only thing the Kings can sign right now is they can sign league minimum contracts but you know we just saw with Alex Len a league minimum contract for Alex Len is 3.2 million it's not like it's it's nothing so guys with 10 years of service, they 3.2 million is right around what you make. Um, so yeah, I think that they're going to be pretty, uh, pretty aggressive here and at the back end and try to fill that those last couple of spots. And maybe they'll, they'll only fill one roster spot and leave one open because that allows you again to make moves down the road. If you need to, if you need to make a two for one trade and you don't, that way you don't have to waive a player. You don't have to find a taker for someone else's contract. So I could see them doing a partial guarantee. I could also see doing a couple of camp invites and, and seeing how players fit in and then going from there with their last two-way spot. So um, definitely some interesting stuff. And again, if Namias just takes the qualifying offer, he's taking the two-way. He's not taking a main roster spot, or he would have already done that, I believe. Um, is there anyone that stands? Oh, go ahead. I mean, I think that it's worth noting that uh, Harry Giles is eligible for two-way, and Sean got a little look at him yesterday. Yeah, how did that go, Sean? Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, wandering off to a middle school in, you know, the suburbs of Las Vegas to watch Harry Giles and Dion Waiters, and um, and it's basically an agency workout. Jariah uh, Horn was, was there as well, and got about nine teams showing up to take a look at these guys and uh, um, Kings weren't one of them, but uh, that's okay. There's, you know, there's a lot of teams that, that will get a little share Intel and, you know, they'll have, they can always bring somebody in for a private workout. It's not that big of a deal. And the other thing is, is everybody's here. It's like I was on the radio earlier today and kind of talking about the growth of what summer league is and it's, it's unrecognizable from years ago like you think about late 2000s compared to or you know early 2000s or even late 2000s like 07 06 compared to where we are today where 
Vegas just becomes the hub of all things basketball, not just the NBA. I mean, you've got so much going on here. The NBA, every team is here. Um, all business gets done here. Partnerships gets done here. Broadcasting, all the you've got an NBA convention that's happened this year. Um, you've got summer league sellouts. You've got ratings are higher than ever. And yeah, Victor Wembanyama is a huge, huge, huge part of that. But also you have these private workouts where teams can go and uh, kind of kick the tires on somebody. Something like De Deion Waiters, who's what 30, 31 maybe, who can still shoot lights out. But last time we saw him in the NBA, he had a body closer to mine than an NBA player. And uh, yeah, he, he looks, he looks bad. He looks, he looks better, but he can still shoot. Um, but to Harry Giles, yeah, it's, he still looks like Harry Giles, man. Like he's 25 years old and uh, I've got about a 20 minute interview I did with him sitting down with him. I was the only one to really talk with him. Um, and I wanted to get it up yesterday, but the day kind of got away from me, but uh, I'll, I'll have it up uh, later today. I'll, I'll have a little bit of a snippet and yeah, I've got some footage um, I think people will be pleasantly surprised. And we talk about um, not only, you know, I was like, dude, was there ever a part where you're just like, this isn't going to happen for me? You know, like basketball's over. And we kind of go down that road a little bit. And the motivations for him trying to fuel this back up again. And a lot of it has to do with an opportunity that exists because his agent, Daniel Hazan, Jason Tatum, and the Players Association found a way to create the Harry Giles rule, which is a guy who, because of injury or because of, you know, um, James, what was the word we would always hear? Um, rehabilitation. Re uh, uh, when you see the injury report, like he would basically be just yeah. sat out so he could get better, but it wasn't rehab and rehabilitation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so stuff like that to where, yeah, he's a, he's on the roster. Um, he has years of experience at that moment or at that point. So he loses out on the ability to be go and have like a two-way contract. So now when teams are, are able to add a third two-way contract and for someone like Harry Giles and it, it, it have this rule now to where even despite his years of service because of the injury, now he's eligible to have uh, a two-way contract again, even at 25. So um, it, it, I think he will end up in a, in a two-way contract. I really, I do believe that. Um, I think it's such a low risk, high reward situation for any team, particularly a young team that just needs to find a, a lightning in the bottle. Maybe it's not the Kings because of the fact of where, because of where they are in their, in their trajectory as a franchise and, and what they aspire to do. They need maybe somebody a little bit more proven, but man, the, 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 it's always fun because it'll warm your heart if you're a Kings fan, because Kings fans have such a relationship with Harry Giles because of his electric personality and what he means to success of, of or just chemistry of a team and what he, he had such a bind with the fans. Um, and he hears from them every single day and just, he's like, yeah, I didn't play there long at all, but they, they love me and him showing up at game seven and riling up the crowd and, uh, he was a whole vibe there during that playoff series so or that, that playoff game so uh yeah it's a lot it's a lot to talk about it, it's fun uh he looks he looks really good he's healthy he says um and he talks about the unceremonious exit from the kings which still stings to this day for him so um yeah we'll we'll see what happens with harry giles yeah it's interesting so the rule originally was that you can only sign a two-way contract if you're in the first 3 years um of like if you've played three years in the league and that can be even as the, at the g league level if you're three years in 
after the third year, you can't go and get another contract, uh, another another two way contract. And you're right, Jason Tatum stepped in and helped his friend uh, get that rule changed. And so now, basically, it's an injury exception that will allow a player who's been through, uh, who's had four years of NBA experience actually go back and and be part of the two-way system and like the two-way system matters greatly because a standard G league contract, I still, I think is still around 70,000 bucks and you can get a nice bonus from a team for going to training camp. You can get a hundred thousand dollars or $150,000 going through training camp. And then if you get cut, you go to the G league and you have that money and then your, your salary there. But a two-way contract is half of a league minimum salary which is $1.1 million this year. So it's $550,000 and I'm pretty sure they're guaranteed, but they also, they don't come out of the main salary for a team. So they don't count against your payroll. So you can like wave two-way players all year long. You can keep signing two-way players and giving them 500,000 bucks, having them, you know, get their, their time in with your big club and then wave them and sign someone else to that position Um, but I I still think it's a really nice gateway to get someone back into the league. It's a good, it's a good, uh, you know, tool to get a player who's not quite there yet. Maybe like Animi was last year, um, who hadn't put up the big numbers at the G league level to go and, you know, maybe bounce back and forth, get experience with both. And like, for me, I would love to see Namias Keita, like you talk about Harry and, but Namias Keita. I want to see him in training camp. I want to see him go up against Alex Lennon, Demonis Sabonis, and Trey Lyles every day because those all three are totally different players that would help him grow even further and just yeah. intensity. So, um, and, in, and, if, and in fairness to Kata, like that happened last year. You know, they were able to use Nimi a lot in practice and training camp, and mm-hmm. he would play games in Stockton. I, my, my thing is, I would like to see him play um, exhibition NBA games. I would like to see him play some sort of rotational minute, uh, you know, to see if he's capable of doing that at the pro level. And I, I have my doubts that it can happen with the Kings um, right now, but would really, really like to see him one way or the other, be it in Sacramento or elsewhere to see him actually play some sort of meaningful minutes or just NBA log NBA minutes as a true two way type player. And and certainly last year he got a, a huge dosage of that. They, you remember like his first year he was around the team a lot and didn't play in Stockton nearly enough. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I thought that was a, in my opinion, I thought it was a little bit of a waste, but it paid dividends in the second year. He was ready to go a second, you know, having a second uh, summer league and exhibition schedule and training camp and all that kind of stuff. And then to actually go and do that and, and do what he did at the, at the G league level was, was really impressive. So um, for me, I just feel like the next step for him is to see, can you do it? At, even at the minimal of the NBA level. Yeah. Um, Brendan, I'm going to hit you with this. It, you've been watching the uh, the California Classic. You've been watching Summer League there in Vegas. Is there anyone else on the Kings roster that stands out to you that you're like, I'm intrigued that, you know, like whether it's something that they're doing, or even if it's, you know, Colby Jones having a big breakout season, if it's it, a big breakout game, if it's Keon Ellis, like finding himself after being lost, uh, Kessler Edwards seems to have, still like been really hit and miss um but is there anyone else that you've kind of like circled and uh, said hey i like i like this player probably mike dom <laughs> i knew you're just gonna for go. just for moke um <laughs> just no, mike dom is two years older than me um oh i i mean nimi has done a lot for me these last two games i, I know he 
went down what maybe early in that second quarter but between that fourth quarter and the first in yesterday's game against the Clippers a little bit of that second like I thought he was really good um and he had his moments in Stockton too but he was fairly up and down like I, I kind of joked after that first game like imagine if you just walked into the gym at the start of that fourth quarter you'd be like who the heck is this guy but those first three quarters he was pretty underwhelming um, and that's kind of the Nemea's Kata experience. So he, he's been a little up and down for me. Outside of that, um, I think you know. Seen... Hang on, I, I want to mention yeah. something because you guys watched him play. You should have heard them on the broadcast. They were raving about him. That skip pass that he had, uh, where he found the shooter in the corner, at, like they were literally uh, again w- the entire fourth quarter, basically. It was in Mia's Kata show, and the the broadcasters for that game were all over him. They they were just like in love with him. Like I can't believe how good this kid is. So, but go ahead, Brent. Yeah, and he's been a little bit of a. I think both Keon and Nimi don't love the word mentor uh, when I've mentioned it, but I think that they've helped Colby and Jalen respectively, and you know makes sense that it seems like Colby has uh, been talking to Keon a little bit and and Slauson talking to Nimi, and I think they have similar styles. But I think when it comes to the rookies, you've seen both of them grow a little bit more comfortable um, throughout. Maybe the California Classic was, you know, their first taste of this. It's only been like a little less than two and a half weeks since these guys have gotten drafted. They've gone through a training camp. They had their flu to Sacramento, get accustomed to learn some of their new teammates, coaches, front office members, uh, introductory press conference, straight into – a training camp. They've already played two games at Golden One Center and now played two games in Vegas. It's been less than two and a half weeks. Um, so I, I think that this has been a big adjustment for these guys as it would be for any rookies. But I think that we've seen both of them get a little bit more comfortable. I think Slauson in his first game in Vegas had some decent moments protecting the rim. Um, with him, I've heard people be frustrated and I just always say, like, guys, we're talking about the 54th pick here. This is very normal. Um, and then I think Colby Jones, I mean, obviously he had a ridiculous game yesterday. He was mm-hmm. the only one that was, I think, successfully aggressive on the offensive end. I think Keon and Kessler were trying and then Keon eventually found his rhythm. Kessler it never really, um, I, I think fully clicked yesterday for him, but I think that Colby Jones, like his touch is always ridiculous to me that that really stood out watching his tape at Xavier and you continue to see it. He had one lefty and one finish yesterday that was just ridiculous. He's got great floaters. His three ball looks really good off the catch. He's a great rebounder. He just does a little bit of everything. It's kind of as advertised and you've seen him get more comfortable. And I did think it was interesting yesterday post game asking him about like what he sees as a rebounder and he's reading the ball before it hits the rim. And you can you can tell he he really is successful in grabbing boards on both ends of the floor. So I, I think seeing both of the rookies get a little bit more comfortable as time passes has stood out to me. Sean, what would Dave Yeager say about those floaters? He would tell him to stop doing them. Floaters in the soft. In the, uh, he didn't like yeah. soft floaters. He wants you to finish at the rim. It's funny, um, but, but I, look, I, Brennan nailed it. I mean, uh, I've been, I've been impressed with Colby Jones um, uh, a lot because of the fact of his comfort. He he feels he has a, just a tremendous feel for the game. Certainly, there's areas of improvement and development that'll come, and I think that'll for him it'll certainly ha- uh, happen at the like at the 
ball handling and playmaking, uh, although he, it's not like he's terrible at it. I think you, that might be some of the deficiencies there. Um, maybe get a little bit more quick or, or a little bit faster on the reads, but for, for as quick as NBA ball is, you know, it, he seems to have looked maybe the most comfortable out of anybody who's just doing this for the first time. Um, I feel like, you, especially, and maybe it stands out to me more because he did go in the second round. I mean, Brennan just mentioned about how Slauson is the 54th pick. This is natural. Slauson looks like a deer in headlights. Like he, he just doesn't have a feel uh, at all. Um, he, everything's coming a hundred miles an hour and any small prog- progression for him will go so far because, you know, he'll be in, he'll, he'll be in Stockton. He'll be able to um, develop all those tools and kind of get a feel for it. And it'll, 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 it'll come with Colby. It like, you can see what they love about him. You can see that, no, this guy is a roster player. Even if he was taken in the second round, his, his feel for the game, I feel is just, is tremendous. And what Brendan was talking about, what Colby said, reading rebound, that's what great rebounders do. And you wish all, you wish all guys would do that. He, he, um, he blows me away with the way he can get in the lane, find the board, uh, and, and then get out. We were joking, Sean, that like his answer when I said like, you know, what is your mindset when rebounding is pretty much like, I just go and get the ball. Like, go get the ball. It's not yep. that hard, you know, for That's him. Exactly right. It's exactly right. And, and can you just picture, I mean, a guy who has that type of feel and that type of intelligence for, for basketball IQ, like where that looks, where, where could that track three years from now? What's that look like three years from now? Um, and and I, I don't like to make too much of a, of a, of a, you know, evaluation from a handful of summer league games because again i don't care if he's going out and scoring the ball i don't care if he misses every shot he takes like the feel for the game even in haphazard basketball environment like he he, you can just he has a feel for the game that's that's really really uh impressive and that's and it's on the two way it's 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 on both ends of the floor that, that he does it i mean certainly he's going to make mistakes but um this is the type of stuff that translates where you know there's so many people that will put such an emphasis on scoring. Um, but look at all the little things that, that this guy does that affects winning, that affects um, positivity and, and, and successful uh, possessions. I mean, he's just, he's, he's really been in, impressive. I can't say enough about him. He's and I'll also player. just add real quick that there's been a lot of positional versatility with him. He's playing one to three. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. He, he, there's times he's playing the point out there. And I, I talked to him about that a little bit. You know, he said that that's something that, um, he didn't do that much at Xavier, but he's happy to get the opportunity. And you see him playing it at the two primarily. But when Keegan goes out after California Classic, he slots into that three spot in the starting lineup. Yeah, I'd asked Luke about that because I said with Keegan, he now plays a different role without Keegan, as everybody, as a lot of guys do. But like, and that's I was building that up to with Luke Laux because with Kessler Edwards, it's like if there was somebody that's kind of underwhelmed, it's Kessler because you. You know, you kind of wanted to see different things from him, but I think they're putting him in different environments than what he's used to being in. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that changes over the next two games. And and like like he's try they try to make him a scorer a, a lot, especially in transition. And some of it just doesn't go well. Um, so I, I don't know what it is with Kessler yet, but hopefully he has a breakout game here. Yeah, I think when it comes to Kessler. Kessler needs 
De'Aaron Fox. He needs Demont Sabonis. He needs a a player that's on his team that's drawing a double team. So he has that extra little bit of space. And even if it's not a double team, even if his man is sagging off just to give him that little bit of space, because the three-point shot has not looked great. He had one game no. where he knocked him down really solid. Uh, he started 0 for 7 um, in, at the California Classic. Then he he had, I think he was 3 for 6. He, he was okay. I think yesterday he was okay, too. Uh, I think he had two, three balls. But the turnovers are bad. The Like, he can't take anybody off the dribble. You, Sean, you talked about he doesn't finish with authority in transition. He tries to Euro step and use his length and something Keon Ellis does too, which uh, can be a little bit, again, Dave Yeager would be like beside himself on that stuff. Just like go to the rim and finish. Like I'm, I'm done with the, the, the playing around thing. Um, and, you know, but I, I think that he's a system player. He's not a freelance player. He's not a player who's going to be able to score on his own. And, Colby jumped like he's not going to be an NBA point guard. Like he, he will not be your right. third point guard in my opinion. And that's what at the California classic, it was like, they're trying to test it to see how it looked. And it, it did not look good at all. They might spend a whole year in the G league trying to work through it. And same thing with Keon Ellis, trying to give Keon Ellis that little bit of positional like versatility. Uh, but it's just not in them. It's not who they are as players. They're, they're more of, you know, a two, three, then a, then a one, two, three, um, even if they can defend all three positions, um, outside of the Kings guys, uh, who else do you guys like? Is there anyone else? Like, you're just like, Holy cow. I mean, Victor women, Yama. I mean, like, I think we all had the same reaction in the first game. And again, did you guys watch, you guys were live, right? You guys went and watched him. Yeah. yeah okay. Games. So I, I think I want to say it was Francis Frischella that was calling the game. I think he did Victor Wembanyama a horrible disservice because the first thing out of his mouth was he compared him to Ralph Sampson. And in that first game, like Brendan probably has no idea who Ralph Sampson is, but yeah. Sean does. Yeah. He looked exactly like Ralph Sampson, but Kings Ralph Sampson, not Houston Rockets Ralph Sampson. He looked stiff. He looked slow. He looked like he was sinking too much. Everything was bad. And I thought, that like maybe the panic was partially because of the way he was presented was yeah. it, uh, and so i thought it was kind of an interesting way that they like oh he, he really looks like and you're like okay ralph sampson was seven three and a stick figure like that but they're like two totally different era players like sampson couldn't put the ball on the floor at all um but what are your thoughts because he was fun uh in game two and started to show some of the uniqueness that is him but game one was a mess and like the ball handling is going to have to improve a lot of things. He's going to have to get stronger. A lot of things have to change. Yeah. I thought game two, he was, he was really, really good and looked like what you would expect when Minyama to look like, you know, there's a lot of blocks in there, which everybody makes a lot about his offense, but I, I think, and, and I get why, but this guy is changing the game defensively. You know, I, I think that's one of his biggest skills and you've seen that. Um, and, I think when it comes to game one, there was just so much hype around it and so much talk about only him. And there's a lot of other guys on that Spurs team, you know, like mm -hmm. Julian Champagny was balling out. I know everybody saw that at the California classic Malachi Branham yep. is really good. Um, so there's other guys that I, I think it's, I don't want to get his, I don't want to guess on his first name, but Banton that came from overtime elite, the other big that they're playing alongside when has been, Oh no, Barlow. 
Bar- Dominic. Thank you. Bar- Dominic yes. Barlow. I, I fell in love with that guy. Yeah. Like at the California Classic, he was spectacular. The first couple of games there in Vegas, he's been spectacular. And he's in the same situation Nimi is where they had signed him to a one-year two-way. Like, how do you get Barlow on your roster? That That's my question. If I'm the Kings, like how if you're looking for basically what would amount to a first-round pick, I mean, he's 20 years old. Holy cow. He's got all kinds of skills. 6'9", can shoot, can the, – the mid-range is spectacular. The defense is spectacular. His fight, like all of it. I'm sitting there like, wow, look at how well this kid looks with or without Victor because he he looked the same way in, in Sacramento. Uh, so he's one of the guys I, I have written down. Like if – man, like there are players here. There are players that you're watching that you're like, holy cow, if you can get your hands on that guy or this guy, uh, pretty good stuff. But go ahead, Brennan. Yeah, and I just kind of got the, imp- I mean, not got the impression, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's an aspect of like, Wembenyama knows he has teammates, and nobody's talking about his teammates. Like, I didn't feel like he was trying to be the star in game one, and I don't really have an issue with that. Um, but I think his aggressiveness was different in game two, and there's nothing that's been new to me necessarily with Wembenyama, which is certainly not a bad thing because he was extremely hyped up for a good reason. Game two, he was truly phenomenal. There was one dunk that he threw down right on the side uh, that Sean and I were standing on that we both were like, uh, when we watched back the replay, we thought he was further than he was, but his his length and reach is ridiculous. Um, There was a time he walked past Sean and I at a hotel and the size, like we've been around tall NBA players. He's ridiculously tall. It's like another level you guys would have or Sean would have different perspective with the amount of people he's been around but like that height is ridiculous even for the people you've been around right Sean James, James we've been we've been around Simbular you know yeah and but Sim like it's still uh, he doesn't have an abdominal muscle like no no he doesn't like uh, core strength I, is like an oxymoron for him but like, but like I'm talking about just like incredibly yeah large human beings right like and NFL, you see, just you know, you stand by Trent Williams and you just go, "How is that possible?" Wembenyama is like, he's a he's a attraction. Like you, your eyes just go, "What the hell is this?" This like set, he's seven five, right? Seven five, and to have the dexterity that he does, the body control that he does is is probably just that's what's just jaw dropping. And I'm looking at him, and again, we've seen tall people before. But I've never like he makes me wonder. Here he is at his hotel, and it's like, how, what do how do you have a do you have a bed? Like, do you have a bed big enough for this guy? Like, this does is he a, have to sit cat like sleep catty corner like diagonally on the bed? <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what they do, but it it those are questions that like my my friends that don't really like cover sports and the first time they see somebody like that and their jaw drops to the foot's like how do they sleep like they even had me wondering like how do they how are they gonna do that um but yeah his 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 body control is impressive and I I I paid much 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 more attention to him in the second game of the with the Trailblazers and I did in that first game with the Hornets mainly because the first game with the Hornets I was more mesmerized by everyone else. Uh I think the 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 vibe of the arena everyone being completely um, starstruck that the, the energy in that place was, was, was completely electric. And then you, you kind of 
you know, com- compare that to the game against the Portland Trailblazers. Granted, it would have been really awesome if Scoot Henderson had played in that game. But even without him there, we were able to focus so much more detail on just Wembenyama and his basketball abilities, his temperament. And I, I think it was a little bit of a slow start. I think he got kind of pissed off. I think maybe someone got in his ear and kind of challenged him a little bit because he, he became more aggressive and assertive than what you saw early on in that game. And um, yeah, he does some nice things. He does some really crazy things too. Like, like if you saw when he hit the, the three late in the game and he's, everyone's riled up and here comes the Spurs and they're about to, you know, close the gap. And then he gets a uh, two possessions later and he's bringing it up the floor and he just chucks. I looked at Brandon, the one legged, like, the one legged three. It was a um, runner. It was like a runner in the lane. Only he did it from the three point land. And I looked at him, I was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> and if that went in, the place time. would have exploded. Oh my God. It, it was like the, one of the worst shots you've ever seen in your life. But yes, if it had gone in, what if, but to your point too, Brendan, like if you're putting together and it's early because there's so many more games to play, but they will have a, you know, a Vegas summer league, you know, all, all Vegas summer league team and their MVP of course. And um, you know, the, the, there's a couple players that come to mind and, and Julian Champagne is right there. I mean, he continues to play uh, so, so well. I, I I've been very, very impressed with the, with the growth from Jabari Smith. Um, Tari Eason was really awesome in that game uh was that the first that? game they played Brennan we watched that game the other day. yeah uh, really great Berlin. yeah that was yeah that was the best game and it actually um, made the following Wembenyama debut kind of disappointing because there was such a high to that game that Jabari hit that game winner yeah he's looked really great and uh you know Brandon Miller hasn't you know he's probably been on the all disappointment team um but you know, that's okay. You know, it, again, like summer league doesn't matter. He'll, he'll be able to knock down shots. He just needs to make sure he has a comfortability and makes r- the right plays and doesn't totally go out there and shit the bed. So, uh, you know, the, cause you'll see that you'll see that from time to time, but usually you won't see it from a guy who went second in the, in the draft. Yeah. The other guy that I, I well, uh, is it Kenyatta, Kayana, Kayanta, George? For uh, Utah, Keontae, maybe that's what it is. My goodness, he's been incredible. Like he's hitting everything. And then, man, I didn't. I don't understand how Leonard Miller fell to the second round. I don't understand how Leonard Miller wasn't a top ten pick in this year's draft. I'm confused by the whole thing. And then he's gone out and he's been in spectacular. Like he's been really, really good. I haven't been able to see him yet, I, and it's I've been kicking myself. The other guy, and we're hoping to see him today, is Chet Holmgren, who's uh, he's been a baller. Just yeah, well, he's that dude's got a dog in him. Like that dude is so competitive, uh, and I and of course that's what one of the fun things about last year's summer league compared to this year, where it's like, all right, yeah, you got Keegan Murray on your team, and he gets to go up in like success. He gets to play all the top picks. He played Smith, he played Holmgren, and he played Bancaro. And then he had the, I mean, the, obviously the, the crazy thrilling best summer league game ever last year, the game winning shot. Um, but then you, tra- you you compare that to this year and it's like every Kings matchup is like a dud. Um, you're not really going up against any of those teams that you're like, oh, I really want to see this guy. I really want to see that guy. So, uh, and screw the schedulers who put every Kings game 
at 7.30 at night, basically. Agreed. Uh, it's terrible. I, w- I will say on Leonard Miller, he seems to be, just from talking to people here, like extremely polarizing. People either love him or just are not a believer. And there's not really a gray area. Um, I fall into the former. I'm a believer. And I think that he's showing it. Um, the one other guy I will also shout out is specifically just for one sequence was Andre Jackson Jr. with the Milwaukee Bucks. He had back-to-back chase down blocks. Uh, I want to say it was on Peyton Watson, but I could be wrong with that from Denver. But he had back-to-back chase down blocks, and that place got super excited. Yeah. I, like, okay, so Brennan, like one of your your things that you need to do on your last day, try to go meet Taco Fall. Because if you want to see the biggest human being that you probably like, I think the only other person I think that's remotely close in my book was Yao. Like Yao was a huge man, but it, well, I mean, I have Bobon's a big man too. You need to go Bobon's very big. meet Taco Fall. Cause Taco Fall is like, what is he? Seven, five, seven, six, but he's, he's like two of Victor Wimanyama wide. Like he is a huge, huge man. And like, it reminded me like when I first started covering the team uh, and the Kings made the Rudy Gay trade, they brought in Aaron Gray as part of that trade. Aaron Gray looked like Grizzly Adams. And he was like, you're talking about a dude who was so wide. He had to turn sideways to go through doorways. Um, And I don't mean like fat. I mean, his shoulders were that broad. He was a, he wasn't just tall. He was a tremendously huge human being. And so Taco Fall, you'll be like, oh my gosh. Like that is one of the biggest people you'll ever see in your entire life. Like anyway. Um, okay, let um we're getting close to wrapping up here. Um I we'll do uh the business of basketball. So the business of basketball. Uh mm-hmm. I know that there's been a lot of panic uh because the Kings didn't like go out and spend all their cap space like crazy people. And everyone's a little bit like, what exactly were they doing here? Uh, they've been raked over the coals by some media members for, uh, I don't know why, because, I mean, I think their offseason is slightly polarizing. Um, but uh, do you guys think they're done? Do you think there's something else like we're not seeing? They've got, um, you know, again, they've got uh, two roster spaces open. Um, the buzz around uh, like a Pascal Siakam trade. And I'm not saying for the Sacramento Kings, but like that buzz is going, the Damian Lillard buzz is going again. Do you think that they get involved in something? Where do you think they're at right now with, with their team? And do you think that they're set outside of maybe a young player addition or just a veteran that might, you know, take a flyer on a guy like Darius Baisley or something? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously you got some roster spots left. Um, I think they're going to be rather tertiary moves and smaller moves. Uh, I I think there's potential for, for them to go out and get what they get something that they truly need and could be something that helps the rotation. Um, but I just think when it comes to like how big of a splash will it be, I think it's going to be rather a ripple. I don't think it's going to be some like cannonball or anything like that. Um, but again, there's a lot of off season left and to, to say you're predicting, you know, can, obviously you're not, I don't, I don't see them being able to attach themselves to a, a Dame trade or, um, 
you know, James Harden trade, if that comes to be, uh, or anything that possibly the Clippers may do, if at all. Um, I, I still tend to think that the Clippers are probably still the front runner and trying to land James Harden if that, if that happens. Um, but we'll see. And I think, you know, I, I just don't, I think a lot of times trades are the best uh, way for the Kings to get better. Um, but I just don't see anything out there right now. Um, but they're going to keep their ear to the ear to the ground and see if they can significantly improve their team. But I think this is uh, for people who are disappointed that it's a run it back. I wouldn't look at it like that. Um, but Hey man, you got third in the West and while everyone around you got better, I feel like the Kings did as well. I, I, I think the Dorte pickup is pretty fantastic for, I think that upgrades the Terrence Davis position that they had um, into somebody that can come out here and play defense, which is much needed. And, um, you know, he's capable of hitting a shot. Uh, I think the last year was a bit of an anomaly compared because of the ankle injury. And obviously if, if Sasha Vezenkov can be anything like he was in Europe, I think that will be, especially playing alongside a guy like uh, Demonis Sabonis where the offense is, so equal opportunity. Uh, I, I think you're going to be able to pick up right where you left off and upgrade both of those areas of uh, that you, that you did get better. And it's like, okay, well, how does that affect the rotation? That'll be up to Mike Brown to figure out. But I think where the Kings are going to make their biggest possibility of splash, if you will, will be in season uh, possible trade deadline, something like that. Um, I think the off season will be rather just, we got to fill the roster get this team ready for training camp and then off they go. Yeah, I think, I think pretty much the same. I mean, I think that they did get better with depth, you know, and literally replaced them, these guys with the exact same numbers. Sasha Vizenkov is taking Mezzi seven and Chris Duarte is taking Terrence Davis's number three. And I think both of those are improvements. I think the other thing, I think there's two things in my mind that I've got the impression they're sort of betting on. And one of them is that they're going to be better on defense last year because they showed they or next year because they showed they could be in the playoffs. And they were a much better team and a big theme. I mean, we've heard the word physicality from Luke Laux. Uh, I can't tell you how many times. And he always is mentioning it in the way of physicality is important right now because that's the big thing for our team next season on both ends of the floor. Um, but it starts right now and that we need to be a much more physical team is what you hear from Luke a lot. And I think that they believe they can be better on defense because they showed they can be throughout the course of the postseason. I don't know how much I buy into that because I think it's hard to play with that level of physicality for 82 games, but I think that's what they're hoping for. Um, and then the other thing is internal improvement. Like Keegan Murray is the obvious one, right? We, we've seen Keegan Murray seemingly take a jump there's intriguing off the dribble stuff the 41 he had in summer league like and it's not in the same way that he was getting his buckets last year like there is still the movement threes catch and shoot threes he's knocking them down but he's taking a dribble or two and making a play um he's dunking on people at the rim so i think you're betting on that internal improvement but i think it goes beyond that you know i, I don't think like harrison barnes and alex len are the only guys 30 plus on this team you know, you're talking about De'Aaron Fox is 25, so is Malik Monk. Kevin Herter and Davion Mitchell are both 24. Like, there is still room for internal improvement for some of these other guys. DeMontis Sabonis is 27, and, and so is, like, Sasha Trey Lyles. Chris Duarte is 26. I'm not saying all these guys improve, but say you get some improvement, as you would expect from the guys of Keegan Murray and Davion Mitchell. 
and then one of the other ones takes a little bit of a jump. Like, I think you're a decently better team. Yeah, I think so too, especially the the Keegan thing. I think they are expecting Keegan to take this monumental leap, and we continue to hear. like The, the Kings feel like what we saw in the Summer League is more of who he is long-term. Like that's that's who they want him to be. That's who they're going to push him to be, is like a top tier, like spectacular player. Um, but I think Brendan, to your point, if you can get uh, Malik Monk and Kevin Herter to take a, a leap where they don't do more statistically, but they smooth out the like peaks and valleys of last season by coming in in better shape and more ready to to play the role that they're going to be in, I think that you can improve greatly. If Kevin Herter can go between 38 and 43% like throughout the season, as opposed to you know shooting 50% and then 23% and then 50%. Um, and the same with Malik. Malik had a six-week stretch where like he couldn't hit anything. And I, those those guys lost their legs for portions of the season. And it's because their roles had changed. The what they was needed from that was different, and I expect them to be ready, more ready, especially after Monk had that. I think both Monk and Herder for the playoffs were really important for them, but for completely different reasons. I think Monk allowed himself to be the player he can be moving forward, and I think Kevin had a, had struggled and doesn't want to see that again. And so you're going to see both players motivated, but for different reasons. So I think that there is a ton of, of improvement. And I don't think that they're going to do anything crazy, but I do think that they're going to be waiting in the wings in case something major does pop up that does help them get over the hump. If We'll just keep saying it. If OG Ananobi becomes someone who's available again, um, I, I think that the Kings might, or available for the first time uh, before he hits free agency this next summer, I think the Kings are going to be someone who's ready to attack that situation. And for so people know, like um, any player they acquire in the offseason, they can't trade until December 15th, until after December 15th. So that goes for like Sasha Zinkoff. um, And that's just free agent acquisitions. And then your own free agent, like your extension guys, I think you have to keep their contracts for six months. So like before the trade deadline, uh, you'll have the access to, uh, players that you signed that were your own, whether it be like Harrison Barnes or uh, Trey Lyles. If you choose to move on from those guys, you can actually trade them during this season. You just have to wait six months from the point that they signed their contract. Uh, so a little bit there. And then lastly, I want to point out, um, I know there's been a lot of like people panic because they look at the salary cap and they think, oh, there's no way they're going to be able to retain Malik Monk after this season. And um, I want to clarify to make sure people understand that Malik Monk's contract, he has what, just like what Trey Lyles had and what Rashawn Holmes had before, which are uh, early bird rights. And early bird rights, I think there's a lot of confusion about what they are because the two players that we've seen go through the early bird process were both players that made a lot less salary than what you would expect. So like Trey Lyles made $2.6 million last year. And uh, Rashawn Holmes, two years ago, three years ago, made uh, five hundred, uh, made five million, right? And so the way the early bird works is, it's either one hundred and five percent your starting salary is one hundred and five percent of the league average salary, which uh, again this year is probably around like twelve point two million bucks. 
that's what the offer, the maximum you could offer uh, Malik Monk. And if that's the case, you're in trouble because Malik Monk is probably going to make a lot more than $12 million this next his next contract. But the other thing with uh, the bird rights, the early bird rights is it's either or. It's either 105%, which really works for guys like Trey Lyles or, um, or uh, uh, Rishon Holmes uh, because – you know, you can't bump their salary that much, or it's 175% of what you made in your previous final year of your contract. So Malik Monk is eligible for a $17.4 million starting salary next season um, after this season. So like when they get to next summer, if they want to keep him on Larry bird, right on his early bird rights, they can go up to 17.4 starting salary with 8% raises. Like he could make up to, a four-year, $78.4 million contract. Um, so you have the option to keep Malik Monk, most likely, if you want to keep him. And then, like, you don't have to go all the way up to that number if the Kings want to offer him, like, a $14 million or $15 million a year deal. Um, like, you're going to have the option to do that because he will fall under that 175% of his max contract from the previous year in the early bird rights. So does that make sense? Yeah, 17 is plenty for Malik. See, so yeah, yeah, I think it it definitely clears like a big hurdle though for the Kings if they want to keep this group together. And you know, he's talented. I mean, you don't want to lose talent. You don't want to you you may not have a replacement for what he brings to the table. And I'll, the last thing I'll mention with that is I'll come back to the fact that the Kings not only traded 12 million bucks in Rashawn Holmes' salary for this season, but 12.9 million for next season. And I have them at like 147, 149 million, depending on like young player stuff, uh, at in dedicated salary for next season. And that's a big difference if you got you got to stack on that 13 million bucks for Rashawn Holmes and pushes pushes your team salary up to like 172 million. And that's before you go and try to chase Malik Monk. Now you're you're down way lower, and you can actually 160. Sorry. Uh, now you're way down around 147, 150 million for next year. And so Malik Monk contract would hurt, but you could still fit it in and still be well under the luxury tax, well under the apron and all that stuff. Cool. Sweet. Do we have any final thoughts? Sean won't do it himself, so I'll say it. Uh, anybody that works for Hurley that's listening, this man needs a sponsorship. <laughs> it's ridiculous i assumed we were looking at the same two or three hurley hats all the time he brought at least five to vegas so i can only imagine how many are at home this man needs a hurley sponsorship oh do you do you have a bag filled with hurley hats that you travel with like your your no. hat bag no yes. it, it makes it way into my into the suitcase area you know just put them in the corner and they keep their little keep them nobody in. puts sean's hurley hats in the corner <laughs> so silly um it, the sphere is amazing uh, i've never been inside it but you're driving around town and you see this building lit up and it's i've never seen anything like it um and it moves and rotates like a big led screen and it's owned by the guy that owns the knicks james dolan msg so um, if you happen to be flying over Vegas or in Vegas, you look over at that big sphere thing that you two is going to open and play like 20 shows. Um, 
it, it it's something. I'm literally looking at it outside my window right now, and it's we're recording this. It's two forty seven in the afternoon, and it's lit up, and it stayed lit up because I haven't seen it lit up during the day, and it's not rotating or anything, but it has like a blue and purple uh, color to it. I don't know what kind of design it is, but it, it, they put they've turned it into a, an eyeball, a basketball, a thing with summer league all over it. It's, it's very unusual, but it's super cool. I'm going to have to check that out, especially isn't it like a 50,000 seat arena inside something crazy? Uh, 19, I believe it is. 19, oh, OK. I thought it was way bigger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of wonder large. what it's like inside. Like what exactly are like, is it going to look like? Because the LED screens are all on the outside. What's on the inside? According and, to my Uber driver, they will not have the same uh, visuals on the inside. Uh-huh. Well, I, my experience with Uber drivers in Las Vegas is they all have five stars or 4.99 ratings, and uh, they're all really good. Like Vegas is where people go to make money as Uber drivers. A lot of people drive to Vegas from L.A. just for the weekend to make a ton of money as Uber drivers and then go home um, because you can make you can make a couple of thousand bucks in a weekend. Um, yeah, I believe it. There's, there's some interesting <laughs> Uber drivers out here. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, uh, my final thoughts for the day, um, go find a body of water to swim in cause it's going to be hot. Be careful this week. It's not a river though. Not a river. Uh, don't go in the river. Uh, but it's going to be what 108 this weekend. Like that's, is too... it? Oh yeah. Yeah. When, when? I, I don't know. Like that's what everyone, the ramp up is supposed to be nuts the whole weekend. And then it's supposed to be massive heat wave for like a week. So, uh, water your garden. Yeah. You might just need to come up and hang out on a boat. Um, yeah, you guys are welcome. You guys come up and hang out on the boat. Uh, not everyone's welcome, but, uh, Sean and, and Brennan are welcome to come up and hang out on the boat. So I'm, ge I'm getting out of Vegas at the right time then, because, uh, it hasn't been terrible, right? Brent? I mean, it's been like right. 105 <laughs> today. Today's a little warmer, but like Friday, when I get out of here, it'll be 112. And then it goes to 115, 118, 117 in the next few days. So that must mean Sacramento is heating up, yeah? Yeah, That's Sacramento is going to be scorching hot. It's going to be uncomfortable. So I'm, I'm bringing the heat back oh, to Sacramento. Yeah. You're, you're bringing the heat. Um, outside of that, let's see. I went and saw uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket at the Crest on Saturday night. Man, the Crest is explain so... That, explain that one to Brendan. Uh, Toad, Toad the Wet Sprocket is a band from the early 90s. 90s and all the way through the 90s. Um, they were big. They had like maybe like three or four like pretty solid hits. Uh, they toured with like Hootie and the Blue Fit, Blowfish when Hootie was big uh, before Darius Rucker became a country singer. Hootie, Hootie's um, still big. They came back. Actually, they they're back. and if you ever uh, like my tambourine behind me is Toad the Wet Sprocket. It's my Toad tambourine. So you know, there was a tambourine, tambourine behind you. It's it's autographed by Toad. Like I I was at the Horde Festival years ago and they they signed it. Um, huh. uh, or Bridge School, but no, it was Horde Festival, not the Bridge School. Um, anyway, they were cool. Uh, and the Crest, the Crest really is a spectacular venue. So Brennan, I don't know if you've been to the Crest, um, mm -hmm. but. It's it's right downtown. It's uh, right across from. Is Pizza Rock still there? I don't know if Pizza Rock's still there. Well, it's, yeah, it's on K Street there. You got Oishi over there. It's right across from Oishi. Probably Sushi about like five or six blocks away from the arena, um, but absolutely spectacular. 
the the venue. So if there's ever a concert or some sort of weird festival, I used to go to, like when I was young, the Sick and Twisted Festival of Animation there, which was a blast. It's usually um, movies they have there, yeah. They have movies there now too, yeah. But oh they have God. some like I think they had they have Gremlins one and two I think playing at some point, um, which Gremlins just so Brendan knows was <laughs> a film starring well, furry creatures yeah, with man. furry furry creatures that you could not well, uh, allow to get wet or, or leave in direct midnight. or leave in direct sunlight or bad things happened or or feed after midnight sure right yeah you can't feed them after midnight so Are brendan you bullying me again you, never, have you seen gremlins <laughs> you know what a gremlin is right no i know of a gremlin i've probably called people gremlins before but i've never seen a movie huh uh, yeah, who, no who, who, no we're not gonna go with who we're not gonna okay. go no don't All think right. so Put it on your list. <laughs> Put it on your list. Um, okay. Uh, I think that's going to do it. Uh, if you're still watching here on YouTube, you don't mind, give us a thumbs up. Uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, uh, go in, give us a rating and review if you don't mind. Those things help the algorithm uh, that is life at this point on the interwebs. Uh, go to thekingsbeat.com, become a premium subscriber. We will have a uh, virtual happy hour coming up. I uh, haven't set a date yet, but uh, I would say sometime in the next two weeks. Um, we've been busy with Summer League and all this other stuff that, uh, this, that's been going on. It's really difficult to schedule times when everyone is moving in different directions. Um, but hopefully uh, we'll uh, figure that one out, especially later in the week, early next week. We'll have another pod. Um, so thanks for joining us here on the King's Beat uh, for... Box 40's Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunez from the King's Pulse oh. podcast. Uh, I am James Hammy, King's Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. We'll see you soon.